Welcome to Humanize IT, where technology experts meet to discuss business strategy, industry trends, how we can make IT more personal with conversations, not presentations, and occasionally engage in a laugh or two. All right, so we're today we're talking about a little bit of a topic that uh, it kind of we stumbled across, and we were talking about crimping cables like a few weeks ago. So, uh, and and the things that we used to know, like I couldn't remember the order of the cables off the top of my head, the A or the B. And then I was like, you know who else should join us? Richard. Richard Bauer was on our podcast, what, two years ago, three years ago now? Yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, the Tales Around the World series, if you guys have not listened to it, it's like episode right. like 50. Pineapple beer. Yeah, pineapple beer. Uh, <laughs> go back and listen to those episodes. They're hilarious. But now Richard does a lot of work for us, and uh, he's stateside now. So uh, I thought, hey, another engineer to have on the podcast for this topic of things I used to know, like crimping cables. I've crimped so many damn cables in my life. Like my my hands, every time I think about crimping RJ45, still like shake a little bit. Uh, now, when I was in college, they they made us like you had to crimp cables until they were perfect. That that was our hardware class. In, there was one day where we they took us in and showed us how to crimp the proper cable, and we had to do it perfect. And for those of you who know what I'm talking about, not just to slap together. No, no, those copper cores have to be to the end, and they have to be clean cut. And the, our professor would look at it, and like we threw away like so many. And you couldn't leave the class, the lab that day, until you got it right. Luckily, Adam Walter had run enough cables for schools that I was the one guy who came in there. I think it took me three times. And then like the, the third one was like, and I was like, how's this? And he's I can't like, believe you, you you can't remember it. So, I mean, 568B is the, uh, you know, started out with the white, but it's green, blue, orange, and brown pairs. And I will never forget that. We mentioned it, I think, maybe in the last podcast uh, where I was terminating cables in a hospital and and i did i did the math uh and of course i'm putting it all on these 110 blocks it was 1800 runs that i terminated in a matter of three days that's 3600 terminations it well and i had help on the on the um on the endpoints so someone was running around and doing the the outlets and i was in the the closets because I wanted the cables run right. I wanted everything coming down. I wanted right cable management and everything. But then, yeah, I'm staring at this giant bundle of cables that have to be punched down. And I went through that and I, I still remember it today. I went home and tried to get some sleep, but all I could, I remember dreaming, you know, white, white of green. You know, you were in the wiring. Matrix. I was just going through. I could. I woke up and was like, I didn't sleep at all. I punt. I terminated cables for the last eight hours. Yeah, it, somebody was talking on um, uh, one of the Facebook groups, and they're talking about how they they would love somebody who understood packet design to the level of like binary and understood like where the headers were. And like, I used to know that stuff. I could build a packet from scratch. That was part of my requirements for college. I don't need that knowledge anymore. You know, if, if, but I do need the knowledge of, of doing PCAPs. I need to be able to run Wireshark. Very useful skill. Yep. I don't need to understand all my headers to get very useful use out of, uh, of, a, of a wind PCAP or any kind of a packet capture tool. 
and it, it saves a ton of time, but you, you, there are certain skills you just don't need anymore. Like I don't need to know how to crimp a cable off the top of my head. I can look it up on Google and I'll, if I ever have to do a crimp, it's because I did something wrong and I accidentally cut my cable and I need to put a new end on it. You know, it's not like I'm going to be doing bulk or bulk replacements anytime soon. Well, like, or you forgot to put the rubber booty on and then you've got all your cables lined up and you go, there's no rubber boot. Cut them all off, put all your boots on and start again from scratch. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you got to have that on there. Now, well, I, yesterday, just we got uh, some stuff and a fairly or a little bit of a technical bit came through on an email and uh, it was part of uh, some SPF configurations on email. And I was like, I know what this is, but it was a little bit deeper. Why is this particular, you know, sort of element coming up? And so me, you know, I go out there, bring up tool, do a scan, you know, and I get all this information and I found myself going, okay, well, why is this? And I started and I was about three tabs in. I was like, wait, you don't know this anymore, Skip. All right. It's new, newer technology, stuff that you haven't done since you were responsible for doing this. Do you really need to learn this? Do you really need to go down this path? And so it was, it was hard. I took a minute and went, no, I backed out, closed those tabs, just went into the email and said, I'm going to forward this on to someone else. And, <laughs> you know, it, in part, it was liberating to say, I don't need to understand this anymore. But at the same time, it was frustrating because I had to acknowledge I don't have this technical depth anymore. And it's a little, I don't know, it's a little uncomfortable. I, I want to know why I, that, that's an issue. And yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think one of my um, aha moments, is like uh, Neil, if you're listening to this podcast, Neil Groy, uh, is like, hey, uh, that's not how C names work, man. And he goes, yes, it is. Here's how they work. I'm like, no. And I wrote out from memory, like the, the path for a C name transfer and how it works. And uh, uh, like, he took me to school. <laughs> you know, like, there is a part of me that just died because I don't know this anymore. <laughs> and like, I was really good with DNS. I was really good with network. Um, and and uh, I just, I'm like, I had to accept the fact that that is something I just don't know anymore. <laughs> and like, I'm also, for those of you out there who have ever had a CISSP, I let mine lapse last year. Like, and that's a gut punch for anybody who's gotten one of those, because that is a freaking hard process. Not only do you have to have like the years of experience in security, but you also have to pass that stupid freaking test. And at that point, like I knew a lot of stuff from college from like encryption uh, analysis, like three des. Uh, like if you want me to break apart, like how different um, handoffs worked, I could do it. Like today I'm like, wait, three days. That's the one with the meat in the middle attack, right? <laughs> like I can't tell you how it works. No. I just know to avoid it. So, well, I did so the same thing with uh, working with some people, not me personally, but working with some guys who had their CCIE and they were in very much the same situation. They'd, they'd gotten it, you know, their careers had moved on and they were in a place now where they weren't on the keyboard. They weren't doing these items. And their CCIE was coming up for renewal. And they're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to renew that. And I was like, what, dude, why would you not? But 
I'm a few years down the road now and I'm understanding their dilemma. You know, yes, they could put in the effort. They could keep that information fresh, but do they really need to? And I think engineers all over that, that is our biggest challenge. Uh, I worked with a guy back in my corporate days, fantastic network engineer, you know, did a lot of our core data center stuff. We were rolling out this new massive Cisco uh, switches when, when they first came out, the really big ones. And he understood it all. I mean, really, really deep. And he actually got to the point. He said he was sitting in a data center one night. It was about three in the morning and he had been doing some stuff and he was going through email and a message came through from one of the managers and said, hey, there's a supervisor position opening up in a divisional office. Would you be interested in it? And that was his epiphany moment. Adam, you've had yours. Yours was in a parking lot, I think, outside of a data center. Warming my hands on the curb. Yep. And he's like, is this is this what I want to be doing for the rest of my career? And he made a conscious decision. I did it a few years later. I, I stepped out of the technical role. I took on a manager role. And one of the things I did, I kind of learned a lesson there was when I started with my team, I wanted access, all right? Because I just wanted, you know, I wanted to know. But I made a conscious effort that I was not going to get in there and actually start working tickets. It was it was hard, but I was like, no, I, I'm going to make a break here. I'm going to focus on the things that my job needs, not the things that I can do necessarily. And that was a hard transition. But I think we come to that point in our careers many, many times. What is it that we need to be doing versus what we want or can do? And I think I think it's a good transition. Like when you think about you got to be conscious about it because you if you slide into a role where you lose knowledge, like you not, suddenly you're no longer a network guy. Now you're a server admin. You're going to lose that network knowledge if you don't use it. Use it or lose it, right? That's the way our field works. That's why when people say on resumes, hey, I need 10 years of experience. No. <laughs> I, don't years of experience. Experience. I don't need 10 years of experience. I need one year of recent experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's who I want. If you use this, if you are really, really good at Cisco from 2000 to 2010, and you have 10 years of experience, I don't want you. I want the guy who has, or girl who has been doing this for the past year and a half came out of college and can, and can deal with the current state of, of networking. That's who I want. Okay. So this, Go ahead. Is that Richard? You're going to say something? Yeah. I, I mean, I was never the, the, the network engineer or anything like that. I was the physical hands-on guy. And I can remember back in the day receiving like the Sun Microsystem servers and you're having to pair the hardware to the DIM slots on the on the motherboard, and your RAM slots had to be, you know, grouped, and they were synced together from the manufacturer and all of that. How many new age, you know, engineers even know how to build a server? You know, you had to have your anti-static mat and put a little band on, and before you touch anything. I mean, no, no, now, no band for me. Until you blow up your. Yeah, you blow up a server or a, something like that. But I mean, like now, every everything is click of a button. Okay, well, I want so many CPUs. This and next thing, it's thirty seconds later. You've got a VM server set up in the cloud, and you don't have to worry about building any of that stuff. Um, you know, I'm I'm helping a friend now with a project, and I got so giddy because we have to build the PCs from scratch. And I was like, oh man, this is exciting because I haven't done it in 
15 years, 10 years. And, and we lose that ability to remember how all of that stuff like merges and mixes together. I loved when I was back in my server days, I loved cracking open the server and looking inside. Like, oh, yeah. In a new server, I don't care if it was HP, Dell, I don't care where it came from. I loved cracking that top and lifting it up and looking underneath and just looking at the design. You know, the more sparkly lights, the better. The new yeah. car smell, it's the new server smell. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, the PCs just don't have the same feel. The, the servers do. Mm -hmm. You know, you crack those bad boys open. And uh, it's just it's just things that I don't have to deal with anymore. And when I made that conscious decision to say, I am done technical. I am moving into 100% consultative. I remember when I was early on in my career thinking, do I want to move into management? Like around 2005 or so, I was like, do I want to move into management? Is that, is that where I want to direct my career? I really love cracking open the boxes and working on them. That could be my life. And there is a simplicity to that. You can make good money just cracking open boxes and working on hardware. But is that where you're happy? Is that what you want to do? And because we tend to, as engineers, think of our of our, our management counterparts is kind of dumb. <clears throat> oh, they don't even know how to do this. Yeah. Well, early on in IT, that was the truth. They didn't because the management at the time had no experience in IT. They were completely reliant on the employees. However, you know, I've resolved to be the management guy who doesn't know it all, but at least has been there and can empathize with you. But also, I love the strategic side. Anybody who spent time in the room with Adam, I love the strategic side. I love the complex personnel and like, I love moving around culture and figuring things out. And I found that that's my real gift and what I love doing. And I had to work my way into that. But also in order to be good at that stuff, I had to let go of engineering stuff. There's only so much things I can put in my attic up here as Sherlock Holmes would say. And so what knowledge do you want up top? And that's a problem we fight in IT all the time is that you have this group of people who understand engineering super well. They have stuffed their brain with the order of the K of the twisted pairs. They have their brain stuffed with memorizing how SPF works, DNS works, how uh, T the, the OSI model stack works at a detailed level. They don't have the room or the desire sometimes to even know that business strategy is just as complex and difficult. I was in a conversation just the other day with somebody on one of the technical forums and I was trying to explain to them that they were saying like, no, you just do what the client tells you to do. And I'm like, no, if well, you can, but if you want to be a CIO or a consultant, you have to have a conversation with them and say, okay, I see that you want an employee monitoring software to see if your employees are doing their job here are four or five different ways of solving that same problem. Can you please explain to me more about how the problem is so I can get the right tool for you? Well, we want to make sure the employees are being product pr productive at home. Like, okay, do you want to know that they're in their seat for eight hours or do you want to know that they're productive? Because those are two different, so those two different uh, software tools. I can give you a tool that helps you manage employee productivity and helps you with that. Or I can give you a tool that says there's something moving on their computer for the next eight hours. And helping them think it through, that's where the consultative work comes in. And it's on the manager to make the decision at the end. But when you don't think at a management level, you think I just 
I just do things. If you ask me to install a piece of software, I'll just do it. That's my job. That's one kind of thing to do. And that's what you see your engineers do. They're really good at it. They might ask a few probing questions of how do you want it installed? Where do you want it installed? And they'll solve the problem. Should it be server-based? Should it be PC-based? But a good administrative IT person will say, okay, what are we actually trying to accomplish? Why do we need to install this? Why do we need to install this? Is there a better way? Is there a better solution out there? So tell me your story so I can do it. And I love that part. I love that. But I was in this discussion and this person was so technical. They did not know there was another level to this. They assumed that a consultant was somebody who went in and listened to what the business wanted and just did it. That there's no conversation. They just listened and did. And because their brain is full of the technical response, they're building the thing in their head as the business is talking. That is an engineer and that's good. But you're missing out on this. Like you look at my picture in the background here. You know, there's a whole level above the ground here. Oh to yeah, go with. Yep. And well, I, th- I think part of that. Sorry, Skip. Um, oh, go ahead. I, th- I think part of that though is, I mean, at least when I was in college, and you were talking about 2004, I was just finishing high school then. Um, you know, but it we were we were very much trained on you are the desktop support guy, you are the server guy, you are the network guy. And there wasn't this cross-pollination that I kind of think that we see in today's times where you can't afford just to be a one-man show, if that's the right word. You've got to, you've got to be able to diversify yourself amongst it all. And when I was with the MSP back in South Africa, those were the engineers that really stood out, were the guys that would go and say, okay, customer, tell, you, tell me what you want. And then say, okay, these are the options and this is what, you know, Let's, let's, this is the one I, I suggest, and I'll do the one if you really want it, but just know that I'm going to put a disclaimer there to say this is going to come around and bite you in the backside at some point. But that differentiated the common IT engineer from those of us that have now taken the next step into consultancy, CIO, all of that type of stuff. Well, the and cool part not, about that next step, though. next level, you won't, you won't understand that you are missing it. Sure. If you don't see a good CIO in working, you will make an assumption that CIOs are just engineers because that's all you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. You will assume that a COO is just somebody who, like at small business, a COO in a small business is almost always a working manager. They just happen to have that role. That doesn't mean they are a good representation of what a COO is. And so you make these assumptions because you're only exposed to this one level of engagement not knowing that there's an entire sky above you and you're just seeing the weed, you're just seeing the trees. And so when you start experiencing, when you see somebody do like walk in the door and ask these different questions, like I routinely, when I was doing VCIO work, the, the clients were, were just flabbergasted because they'd never dealt with somebody like me before. They'd never had somebody come in and question what they're doing and not, not in a, in an attack, but like, Hey, I noticed you're still doing your check-in, check-out sheets by hand for the daycare. Why don't we move to this? You could save your employees an hour a day. I, I see what you're doing there. You could move to a check-in, check-out system. Like, oh, we haven't yet. We haven't found a good one. You want me to research those for you? Or have somebody research for those, those for you? And they'd say, yeah, that'd be great. And I'd come back to them like, hey, it's only like 
you know, $500 a month or $300 a month put in this new time system that saves all of your employees from having to fill these things, these check-in check-out sheets by hand. And oh, oh my gosh, that's great. They never had somebody think about how to benefit the business through technology before that that was their job. Like not just from an engineering and turning over PCs and life at life cycles, you are now looking at how to engage the business and help them grow. But in order to really start thinking about that, you have to be free. You can't be running cables all day and yes, yeah. PCs because you're not seeing the time clock issue. You're not seeing the, the employees do things. You have to free up your mind, as, well, as uh, Morpheus would say. So there's a cool part here, though. Picture. There's huh? a cool part in that, you know, a lot of us get started with the technical stuff because we're, we're just curious. We look at something and we're like, well, that doesn't work. You know, a lot of technical people are like, I can't get this game to install, right? Why won't it run? And I want to play this game, but it won't work. And so you dive into it. You know, my GPU is not configured right. I don't have enough RAM, you know, and you just, you work through all these problems. And so our industry has a lot of problem solvers, uh, very much, you know, focused on things that are going. And the cool part about it is it doesn't have to stop when you make this transition from really technical work to more strategic focus work. You're just solving different problems. And kind of maybe the uneasy part is the problems aren't necessarily so binary, right? But it's still very much the same issue. You look out there and, you know, it's a performance based, right? I'm, I'm only getting 15 frames per second and I need 60 frames per second to make this game run right. But you look at a business and you're like, it's taking them an extra hour every day, but I can take that and make it work faster and increase the frames per second, essentially, if we, you know, install this software, if we do this. So we're just changing the technical elements, but we're still doing that fun problem solving, let's make this work kind of stuff. So it's cool. You just have to look at it from slightly different angles. It, it's a level up in your knowledge. Um, oh, I should say a level up. It's a different area. It's a different context to operate in. If you choose the corporate context of engineering, fantastic. If you want to be an engineer for the rest of your life, that's fine. It's a noble profession. You will be paid well and well-respected as an engineer. The world tells us, no, you need to move up. No, you don't. You, see, you can stay in the engineering context, earn a great salary, and not deal with any of the personnel issues. Just create and be awesome that way. So, or you can say, hey, I really like working with people. I really love working on strategic initiatives. So let's go ahead and build this brain in a way that it understands what is right person, right seat. What does that mean? What does it mean to uh, calculate EBITDA? How do we do a P&L report and how do we empower that with employees and the right strategies? You know, today, like I'm trying to discuss in my brain, do I take debt or do I take investors? And it's just different kinds of debt. And what is the advantage and disadvantage of both? These are things that Adam 10 years ago could not handle. Like I didn't have the context. 10 years ago, though, Adam is was somebody you could put in charge of your entire security program and know exactly how to talk to people about load balancers, how to talk about security context, zero trust, all that stuff. I wrote a freaking paper on application security through streaming. So that is who Adam was back then. I couldn't do that today. 
I no longer have those skills. I now can work in a business context and help you with your profit margins and making really complex decisions financially and strategically that I couldn't 10 years ago. Which person is better? Well, I'm, I'm going to throw another spanner in the works. Okay, so for those of you that don't know, I moved to America a year ago. And the, the problems that Americans face, even from an IT perspective, are different to a South African. So for example, Adam, you know, we, we're talking about, oh, well, throw out your manual clock system and bring in uh, an automated type clock system. Back in the day in South Africa, those systems were so expensive in South Africa that that wasn't an option. Skip, you talk about the gaming. You want to go from 50 frames per second to 60. You know, I've been pricing computers here in America, and it blows my mind at how cheap this stuff is. Like, it's a top-of-the-range gaming PC you can get away for under $2,000. Back in South Africa, that's going to cost you, you know, five, six, seven times the amount for the same performance. So you're faced with different problems. You're going to... You know, the receptionist is pulling her hair out because she's got to answer the phones, update an Excel spreadsheet and do this. And here it's like, hey, your PC is two years old. Time to throw it out and bring in a new one and you can get that done for under $1,000. In South Africa, it's a case of, okay, what do we need to do? Okay, we've already got you onto a solid state hard drive. Now we've got to update you to an uh, NVMe. You know, as an example, it's just, it's it's different complex issues depending on where you are in the world, depending on the value of your currency. And that's been a big learning curve for me. Um, you know, being a year here in America of the things in South Africa, you'd have to fix. Yeah. You throw it away and replace. Yeah. It's just, it's a different way of thinking. There is a toxicity in the United States. And I've talked about this a bit. It's like, we are obsessed with warranties in the United States. Like it has to be under warranty. Whereas like South Africa is like, is it working? Can I get another year out of this thing? That mentality needs to come back really, in my opinion. Um, like, you don't need something under warranty. You don't need that anymore. You just, I mean, the, the technology is not changing that fast. Like, you know, you should be looking at depreciation. It's a big pain point for me is teaching MSPs like stop thinking about warranty and being a throwaway culture. Start thinking about life cycles. Start talking about depreciation because that is where it's at. And I think that, yeah, like from what you're saying in South Africa, yeah, like do we need to put an SSD in this thing? Yeah, then we can get another four years out of it. And cool, done. And we, um, we, it, and it takes a, t that is a strategic thing though. Like somebody at the higher level made the mental shift to say, we don't care if a PC is under warranty. We care if it's working for Susan. And that is all we care about here. Somebody at some point in the United States Made the made the culture narrative that everything needs to be under a four year warranty. I remember why, because back in two thousand five, that was the average lifespan of a Seagate hard drive or a Western mm -hmm. Digital. Yeah, that, the warranty actually went to five years. I think on Seagates, but like that was the reason why we had four year warranties as best practice to cover the cost of a hard drive because hard drives were very expensive. Now hard drives are like what fifty bucks. For an SSD. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's it like, so why are you spending $300 on a warranty to cover a part that might fail in, you know, five years that you can replace easily for cheaper? No, you're just giving money to Dell that the MSP should be give, given. This is a strategic decision. If you stop and you think about how things run for a minute and you get out of operations, you're like, holy crap, why am I doing warranties? That does not make any sense. 
my MSP should be offering the warranty because these parts are freaking cheap and we can replace this in minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I've got an imaging server right here. I can cast out an image on the new hard drive in minutes. And so we we get into this narrative of operations and we aren't thinking strategically. And so there needs to be engineers who have made that transition and have forgotten the low level so that they can focus on the high level strategy of, should we just go warranty list? Is that something we should do? Would that help our narrative? Would it help our clients? And if you don't have the time to think about it, you won't. It'll just be something. It'll be you assume that you need to do these things. I told the story about the white walls earlier yeah. on tires. You or last last and it goes last podcast. Yeah, I think so. You have to decide what it is you need to know, and then you need to have people that are willing to operate in those contexts. Or in management theory, we call it seats. You know, do you have somebody in that seat thinking about these things? You need somebody to be thinking about networking. You need to have somebody thinking about servers. You need to have somebody thinking about desktops and service delivery. Who do you have thinking about strategic initiatives? Do you need to have warranties with PCs? What kinds of companies do you want to have in your MSP? And having somebody in that seat who has been in all the other seats, even better because then they can empathize and think through why even better. I think it helps a lot. Yeah, I, I think that's important to break that down. I mean, you need to personally, as well as your team, you need to look at that and you need to decide, you know, um, do they get it? You know, do they understand what that is? Do they want to fix these problems? You know, and then do they have the capacity to do it? Are they able to do it? Uh, and you really need all three. And, you know, I, I got to a point in my career where, Yes, I, I, I could do it, all right? And I had the capacity to do it, but the technical elements, I, I just didn't want didn't to want do them anymore. <laughs> you know? And so that that was a, a reason for me to make the change. You know, uh, yes, I'm, I'm really old. So, you know, I went from, from 10 megabit shared, 10 megabit switched, you know, 100 megabit, gigabit, you know, and then we're starting with 10 gigabit. I'm like, we're just adding zeros, right? I mean, there was no real fundamental shift in any of those technologies, right? So the the allure was gone, right? I, I didn't, there just wasn't much there. And so, you know, we're moving on. I mean, it went, it went on. You know, the last step that I really had any any hands-on was 40 gigabit. And then and then we're just taking 10 gigabit you know, channels and bonding them together. Again, it was nothing, you know, earth shattering. So I, I lost the want, I lost the interest I and know I moved somewhere else. So, so that was, that was a, a good litmus test for me to understand what role I needed to be in. I know we're, uh, we're over time here. Um, so just some final thoughts from, from uh, me is the, I think the shift happens the first time you have to replace a server that you installed or an asset you installed. That's oh, when yeah. the mental shift starts yeah. happening. Uh, Richard, any questions from you? Uh, any final comments from you on things you used to know? Uh, just, you know, when you invited me into the, the podcast, it was raging through my mind about all the things I did as a techie. And I'm sitting here wrecking my brain just trying to think of some of those cool things, you know, setting up 
data centers in Uganda where they ran your network cables out the window to the lower levels because there was no trunking between the levels in the in the building, you know, and and different things like that. And but you you're right. Ultimately, things have shifted in the market so much right now, where we need to start questioning all of the things that we used to know. You know, do you need really need to have a desktop that's got a three year warranty? As far as I'm concerned, in America, no. One year and you throw it away and you buy another one if that's the case. Um, South Africa, things are slightly different just because of the you know the economic state there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just rethink or, or 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 question everything you know constantly, so you're always checking to make sure you're doing the right thing and the best thing for now and not for ten years ago. Yeah, that's it. That's very good. Yeah, thinking about today, not ten years ago, is a great way to think of, in terms of strategy. Like, why are you doing things today? And having the free time to think about that. If you're too busy with operations and putting out fires, you're not going to have time to think about that. You're going to keep putting out fires. Somebody has to sit at the top of the forest and say, here's where you need to go. Thanks for coming on, everybody. Uh, we'll have Richard on again. Um, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you for joining us today. If you like our podcast, please subscribe comment and check out our Facebook page. Also encourage others who want to see IT transform to subscribe as well. We could always use your help.